0: Good morning. Good morning. Couple, uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18, so if you brought your Bible, you might want to turn there, Matthew chapter 18. Uh, before we read our, our story, though, that we're going uh, to talk, talk about, uh, we have some new members that I want to introduce to our church. So Some of them are in this service, some are in the next service, but uh, when I share these names, I would appreciate it if you'd stand up. Uh, Roger Carper, Diane Carper. Brad Clifford, Lindsey Clifford, Nathan Caldwell, Grace Becker, Sharon Heights, Bill Craner, and Sheila Craner. Yeah, it's welcome. Now. Yeah, we appreciate you being here, and we're excited about what God's going to do in the future. Amen. Uh, and also, one of the important steps for a believer. Um, Christianity isn't just going to church. You know, There's more to it. It's you and God in a personal relationship. And one of the important steps for every new believer is water baptism. Uh, If you were baptized as an infant, that's a nice step your parents took because they were concerned about you and they were trying to uh, take you down the right track, but that had nothing to do with you. That was their faith expressed. You need to identify your own faith. So We're we're giving people an opportunity to be water baptized and how you do that, if you're interested in doing that, you get on the church website, mynewhope.in, and right on the front page there's a box that says baptism signups. Click on that, it'll take you to a link where you can watch a four and a half minute video explaining what we believe about baptism and how we do it. And then there's a form you fill out and you fill that out and send it. And we will get back with you, and you'll be on the schedule to be baptized. And it's a way for you to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, we're going to bury you in the water. Just so you know. Okay. Let's uh, get into our story in Matthew chapter 18. There are some keys to the kingdom, and they're not easy keys. Some people say that Christianity... Is is for weak people. Once you hear what I got to say today, you will see it is not for weak people. Christianity is powerful, and you got to have a little bit of guts, and you have to have a little bit of surrender. So we're gonna talk about that. But here's the story I'm building from. We're gonna start in verse 21 of Matthew 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, "Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister?" Who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. The King James Version says 70 times 7. That's 490. Are you getting the picture of what Jesus is saying here? Therefore, he tells this parable. Listen. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement By the way, that's called grace. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the, others, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their, their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tormented, tortured rather, until he could pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is not something weak people do. To forgive someone who has offended you, someone who has hurt you, someone who would do it again if they had a chance, and you release them, that's, uh, that's not easy to do. This takes some maturity to be able to do this, but it is one of the keys of the kingdom. If you want to see the power of God move through you, if you want to see your life changed and lives changed around you, you need to understand this principle and apply it to your life. So notice how the whole story started, it was with a with a question. How many times should I offend or should I forgive my brother or my sister? How many times should I do that? 7 times? You see he's looking for a loophole. Well, look for loopholes. We know what the Bible clearly says, but can I find a way that it doesn't apply to me? Can I find a way to get around it? Can I find a way to not have to do this? Because that person doesn't deserve to be forgiven. It's not just for that person to be forgiven. They ought to have somebody mad at them. They ought to have somebody holding them back. All the bankruptcy laws, by the way, are based on this basic principle, the principle of grace. You sign a contract saying you're going to pay a certain amount of money and you don't pay it, you you violated, you crossed the line there. Do you understand that? Bankruptcy is grace. Give somebody a chance to start over again. In verse 23, it said, The king wanted to settle accounts. I've got good news for you. There's a king who wants to settle accounts with you. He wants to settle accounts with each of us. He wants to make things right. And yes, there's a time when he's going to settle all accounts on judgment day. And he's going to give out rewards and give out judgments on judgment day. Yes. But I think he also wants to settle accounts today. I think there's some accounts he wants to settle with us now, today. I believe today is a special day for that. So I want to share six principles we learned from this Story that will help us in that forgiveness thing, help us grasp what he's saying to us. Because you cannot move ahead in your spiritual life if you're holding offense against somebody that crossed a line with you and hurt you. You got to let it go. Because the one it hurts is you, not them. It holds you back in bondage. It holds you in handcuffs. Yeah, it keeps you in suppression and you got to let it go here's principle number one. Your family is at stake. It's not just you. It's your family. Look at verse 25 again. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. You see, if you don't deal with this offense in your heart, if you don't deal with the bitterness, the resentment. And sometimes we've suppressed it so we don't even remember it. That's why deliverance is so important to us. It, it opens up memories to suppressed offenses that we're holding inside. We don't even know they're there. And we pass it on to our kids. We teach our kids how to be expert at ducking and hiding. Oh, here they come down the aisle at Walmart. I got to get over here. We teach our kids to run and hide instead of standing up and confronting it. It takes maturity to stand up and confront these things in your life. It's not easy. It's hard. But God goes, does it with us, which is good. You must deal with this unforgiven infection in your mind. Somebody offended you and hurt you, and you still have this festering anger inside, It's part of your soul. It's a part of your mind, and it affects the way you think. It affects your decisions. It puts fear in your heart to ever try again. God wants to resolve that because he's a good God, and he wants good things yet for the beginning. You perpetuate the poison inside of you and pass it on to your kids, and they pass it on to their kids who pass it on to their kids, and it becomes what the Bible calls a generational curse. It's a curse that I had nothing to do with. It was something my dad did, and he never resolved it with me. And so I pass it on to my kids and my grandkids because I never resolved it with me. See what I'm talking about? This is not easy. It's not easy to talk about, it and it's certainly not easy to deal with because we have to deal with it. Here's the second principle we learn. God's response... To repentance is always grace. Did you catch that in the story? When the man asked for forgiveness, he was immediately given it. Verse 26 and 27. At this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. That's freedom. Freedom. This is how you get free, when you can let go of that, those hurts, those, that pain, that rejection, that failure that we felt. We let, go, we, let, we let go of it. You see, God is seeking, pursuing a love relationship with you. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants to go through the rest of your life in this intimate relationship with you. He wants to be able to whisper things in your ears have, and be able to listen to every prayer you lift up to Him. He wants that kind of a relationship. He doesn't, he's not an angry God like a lot of the religions in the world try to pass off to us. He's an angry God and we have to appease His anger. That's true, but Jesus Christ appeased His anger. He's our Redeemer. He's the Restorer. And he's seeking that relationship. He doesn't want to alienate us. He doesn't want to send us to debtor's prison. He doesn't want to hold this against us the rest of our days. He wants us liberated. He wants us to be free. So he forgave his debt and let him go. I heard the story of of a man who shared his testimony in church. And he talked about this amazing grace of God. That God forgave him for so much, so much sin in his life, so much rebellion, and God forgave him. And he was just eternally grateful to God for that forgiveness. And the pastor didn't quite understand, so he got up behind the man and, and he said, that was, a, that's, that's, that was when God did his part. But didn't you have to do your part before God did his part? And the man said, oh, yes, my part was I spent 30 years of my life running away from God as fast as I could, and he ran me down. (laughs) My part had nothing to do with my salvation. My part was running away from God. But God ran me down. Did he run you down? Has he caught you yet? Because if he hasn't caught you, he will. Because he loves us. I'll tell you a story of forgiveness in my own life. A couple of years ago I ordered some things from amazon.com. And when it arrived a couple of days later there was two of everything. Two complete orders. And I got I got back online and I thought was this my mess up or was it their mess up? Sure enough, I ordered the same thing twice. So my wife's a better negotiator than I am. So she got on the phone and got, got a hold of an, an, uh, Amazon.com, talked with them, and they immediately sent back a return shipping label. So all we had to do was ship, ship back those, the second item. Except one of the items was a Christmas gift. It was an electronic thing. It's an electric shaver. 99 bucks. I had two of them only wanted one, didn't want two, and I could not return anything electronic. But they forgive the debt. They told me I could, I could take it to goodwill, give it away. Uh, I had another Christmas present to give now. They wrote it off, 99 bucks, wrote it off. That's forgiving my debt. And I learned two things. Number one, never order anything online at bedtime. (laughs) And number two, if Amazon.com can forgive my debt, so can God. What a wonderful picture of God's amazing grace in my life. I'm the one that messed up. They forgave it. Where do you think I'm going to make my next order from? Amazon.com. Because I know they, 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 watch, they watch out for me. We have a relationship here. I know it's not a real relationship, but I appreciate them. God longs to put the past in the past. Wouldn't you like to put the past in the past? Yes. Why do we keep digging it up? Some years ago, uh, I was a kid. And a friend of mine and I, we'd spent a lot of time together, he was a neighbor, we found a dead cat on the road, <laughs> got hit by a car or a truck, I don't know. <laughs> dead cat was laying there by the curb. <laughs> you know, you know boys, we wanted to have a funeral. So we took, took the cat out behind the house, dug a hole, buried the cat, said a few words, went on about our business. A couple weeks later, we became curious. We wanted to know what became of that cat. (laughs) So we dug it up. Another lesson learned the hard way. (laughs) That's exactly what it's like when you keep digging up the past in your life. It's back there. It's back there. It's the past. It's behind us. Leave it there. Quit digging it up. Quit stirring it up. Let it die. Here's number three. I better hurry. Third principle God expects grace imparted to be grace exported. When He gives us grace, He expects us to pass that grace on. Verse 28 says But when that servant went out, he found one of his own servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me. He demanded. You see, what we receive from God, we need to pass on. We need to pass on to someone else. You see, God wants the whole world saved. And so he gives a little bit of grace to me. So I'll pass that grace on to someone else who will pass it on. To someone else who will pass it on. Every recipient of grace should be an exporter of grace. We should be looking for opportunities. If you want God to bless you, you you sow seed and then you reap a harvest later. So we look for opportunities to be forgiving, to sow grace into someone else's life. We're looking for that. It's the key to the kingdom. God has called us to be conduits. You know what a conduit is? It's a channel. It's like a pipe. It's like a hose. What goes in this side comes out that side. We're to be conduits of God. If God knows that we will be faithful on the other end, why would he not want to keep pouring in to this end? You see, hurt people hurt people. If you're hurt, you're probably hurting somebody else. So you need to get healed of your hurt. The people who have hurt you were people who have been hurt. They're just passing on what they have. Are, are, are we any different? We should be passing on what we have. Amen. And hopefully God's done some really good things in our life. And he's taught us that when we sacrifice to help someone else get ahead, God then helps us get ahead. Amen. It's the reaping and sowing principle. It works that way. So what are we demonstrating to a lost world around us about God's redemption in our life? What do they see in us? That says, I've been redeemed. I've been filled with grace. What does the lost world see? That's that's up to us, isn't it? What the lost world sees. So, it's a setup. God sets us up with opportunities to do good in this world. He sets us up. When you're you're at the store and somebody is ahead of you and they discover they can't pay their bill, it's a setup for you. What are you going to do with that? Look for those opportunities. God will set them up. Look for them. Let's go to principle number four because my time is flying. God responds to cries of unfairness. Verse 31 says, When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. The the master here in the story is God. And when the other servants saw the unfairness, they went and reported it to their master. That's called prayer, church. You see an unfairness in the world, God's waiting for somebody to cry out to Him. God responds when people cry out to Him about an unfairness. Exodus chapter 3 verse 7 says, The Lord says, I have indeed seen the mercy of my people in Egypt. I have heard heard them crying out because of their slave traders, and I am concerned about their suffering. You see, God hears when people pray. So, you need to be finding the problems out there in this world and talking to God about it. Because when you talk to God about it, He hears and then He does something about it. He sets something up. You see, we, we need to see that God is like this this is, this is not a good term. He's like the master controller. And He's got all of these servants down here named you and me. And we're, we say we want to serve God. So, God is like listening to every prayer. When somebody says a prayer, he hears it, and then he shows somebody else in the family of God, in the kingdom of God, he shows somebody else what the problem is and what they can do about it. That's how it works. Problem is, we don't have a whole lot of Christians listening to what God's saying. We're not paying attention to what God's showing us. We're not doing what we could do when God tells us we can do it. If you want to be blessed, listen to what God says, do what he says, and he'll prosper it, and then you get blessed. That's the way God works. Oh, God, make me part of that. So the servants who saw this, untru- this unfairness ratted on him. You see this? The other servants, they went and they ratted on him. They went to the master and told the master how unfair their brother was. And the master took care of it. As he always does, God takes action because he cares yes. he is not aloof That's right. out there on another planet someplace, just just sitting there watching the earth spin around, letting us take care of ourselves, waiting for us to die so he can take us to heaven it's not the way it works he wants to he wants to he wants to interact with us. Yes. He wants us to be a part of the problem or a part of the solution, not the problem. Amen. Let's go to number five. We learn this inability to pay your debts is a life sentence. Yeah. Verse 34 says In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. If he's locked up in prison being tortured, how's he ever going to pay his debt? So it's a life sentence. You see, if you don't shake free of this bondage inside, of this unforgiveness, of this resentment, if you don't shake yourself free of that, it's there for the rest of your life. Jesus went to the cross, paid the price for us. He paid the penalty for us. He paid the debt he did not owe. I owed the debt I could not pay. He paid it so I could be free. Yes. Amen. And for me to hang on to that resentment is like thumbing my nose at what he did on the cross for me. He wants to set me free. Until you ask Jesus to forgive you, you have a debt. Until you forgive your neighbor, they have a debt. You have to release them of that. They can't move forward. You can't move forward. You've you've handcuffed yourself to them. You hate them. You don't want them around. You want to be separated from them. But as long as you hold that resentment, you are forever tied to them. Resentment is always there. Here's number six. I'm going to tell you how to do this in just a minute, but here's number six. Sixth thing we learn. God treats each of us by the measure of grace we export. Verse 35 says, This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Brother or sister doesn't mean Christians, that's a loophole. Well, I'll forgive my Christian friends, but I'm not going to forgive those rascals out there. Come on. He's talking about mankind, yep. he's not talking about fellow Christians. Jesus said the same thing this way in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Did you hear that condition? It's a tremendous promise that He's going to forgive all my offenses, cause I need that forgiveness. But there's a condition to that. I have to forgive people who offend me. Yes. What is a trespass anyway? A trespass is stepping over the boundaries into somebody else's territory. It's when it's when someone disrespects your boundaries. You should be setting boundaries in your life. You should be able to say no to some people and yes to some people. And you need to know the difference when it's appropriate to say yes and when it's appropriate to say no. Parents, you need to teach your kids how to say no. Because if you don't teach your kids how to say no, if you, just, if you demand that they do whatever you say and you never give them any free will to make some of their own decisions, you're not giving them the freedom to say no. And then the first date they're out on, they get in big trouble because they didn't know how to say no. Teach them how to say no. And they can say no to you. Your kids tell you, no, I'm not, I'm not going to eat that. Not going to eat those carrots. <laughs> okay, son. That's your choice. I want you to be able to say no. But you need to understand, you're not going to get that dessert if you don't eat those carrots. And you better set boundaries and keep them. As a parent, no dessert if you don't eat the carrots. You see how that is? You let your kids say no, but there's a price. Pretty soon they'll learn, I don't want to pay that price. It's not worth it. Got to set boundaries. But every one of us in this room have had people cross our boundaries. Took advantage of us. Hurt us. In the 21st century... For a lot of us, it had to do with sexuality. When we were just going through puberty and we were just all full of curiosity, we didn't know how to set boundaries or we didn't know how to respect other people's boundaries. And we messed up and we hurt people and we have people here today still holding resentment for something that happened 30, 40 years ago. And you can't move ahead. And neither can the other person move ahead till you separate that tie and let God work with both of you separately. Now, one, la- one last thought before we wrap this up. He said there in verse 35 this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It's not just going through the motions you got to forgive him from the heart. That's the hard part. Because the only way you can do that is by giving it to God. Yes. If I give it to God, I can, I, I'm not saying it really wasn't that bad. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, God, this is too big for me. I'm going to give it to you. You can take care of this offense. You can take care of these people. You can take care of the kind of people they are and the damage that they've done in my heart. You can take care of that, God. And you've got to give it to Him. You've got to give it to Him. See, it's in your heart. You've got to lay it down. You have to have that conversation with God. Maybe sometimes just physically express it. God heres. Here's that rascal. Here's that scoundrel. I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to get it out of my life. I'm going to wipe it clean from my life. I'm going to give it to you, Lord. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to let you take care of it. And when God takes care of it, once it's in his hands, he can take care of it. It's in your hands. Nothing happens. Give it to God. Then God has permission to go after them. If you go after them, they just get mad at you. If he goes after them, their life is changed. So we got to give it to God. So I'm thinking this morning with this many people in this room, there are probably some deep, deep settled hurts, pain, problems, rejection. People hurt you for their own ends. And you got to get rid of it. How do I do this? We're going to sing one last song here in just a minute. We need to kind of think of that offense. What do I want to do with it? Do I want to hold on to it some more? Because it makes me feel good be mad? Just hold you back. You just need to give it to God. You just need to take that hurt, give it to God. Yes. Let him take them to the cleaners. Let him take care of it, and he will. But at the same time, he'll take care of you. He'll clean your heart. Can we stand together? It would be a waste of my time to go through a list of offenses that perhaps happened to you. And I'm, I'm calling those out so that you come down here. But I got a pretty good idea the Holy Spirit has already delivered the message. And you know exactly what this offense this hurt this pain you know exactly what it is and if it's holding you back and you wanna lay it down while we sing this last song I'm gonna encourage you to come down to this altar just sing it to the Lord and give it to him and if I see somebody with their hands out like this or up like this I'll know exactly what's happening people are having their own personal conversation with their personal God who is Put this message on my heart so that he could renew his relationship with you. Amen.